Hello, and welcome to Healing and Hope Through Grief. I am your host, Jody. Today, I'm going to speak about some really interesting ideas and guideposts surrounding grief. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I just want to remind everyone we are all so unique in our grief journey. I will say this time and time again, there is no right way to grieve, no set of rules, there are no guidelines. However, there are guide posts, there are ideas, and an incredible amount of literature. And now more than ever, there are podcasts like me that can help you work towards your healing and continue on your path to move out of that overwhelming constant pain that we feel early in our grief and certainly throughout our grief journey. That's not to say that these desperate and dark emotions won't resurface from time to time. By putting in this grief work, my personal darkness doesn't last as long. I now have the ability to channel my grief into honoring my daughter. The movement from before my child died to after has been an incredibly long and painful journey. And now that pain just isn't as sharp. It's hard to explain. I put the grief work in and I feel I am on a path to healing. And I just want to share that with you all. I suppose one of my main goals would be to spare you some of the pain that I've endured, if that even makes sense. I've pushed and shoved my grief away at times and by not listening to what I needed, that's only caused me more pain. The resources and ideas I share might just bring you from there to here sooner, if that even makes sense. I don't want to make it sound like I do not have dark and horrible grief bursts and bad days because I do. I absolutely do. I will constantly grieve the death of my daughter. I suppose what I'm trying to say is that if I can share any of the tools that I've used on my healing journey with you and in turn you are able to use them in your own unique way then I have achieved my goal. Grief is extremely powerful. It's easy to get stuck in your pain and remain bitter and angry or even depressed. Grief grabs onto our heart and just doesn't seem to let go. And I will always say that no one's grief is as difficult as your own. At this point, I will say though that outliving your child is the most painful horrific trauma a human could ever possibly endure. There are no words strong enough to describe the lifelong pain of outliving your child. Children simply are not supposed to die before their parents. It is an out-of-order death. I recently heard on another podcast that a bereaved parent is in fresh grief for five years. Five years! That's incredible, and, and honestly, it was, it's easy for me to believe. Living without my child for the rest of my life is a kind of suffering I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Compassionate support and unconditional love are literally life-saving 
to a bereaved parent. And of course, as I always will say, putting in that grief work, finding meaning, and continuing on your healing journey. Today, I will draw upon Dr. Alan Walfelt's The Mourner's Six Reconciliation Needs as benchmarks for what I'd like to speak to you about. He outlines six specific needs. I will go through them and speak to them as they have helped me pave the way towards my personal healing. The first need is acknowledging the reality of the death. Wow. This one was hard for me because of Sophia's insane battle with cancer. It all felt like a roller coaster whirlwind from diagnosis to her death. It was so tumultuous. Sophia battled for 10 extremely difficult, hard months before she died. And even now, seven years later, fragments of what happened continue to come back to me. I shoved so many excruciating memories away. Now, as I work on my podcast and I have connected with other podcasts, they seem to be slowly coming to the surface. If this is nearly seven years later, you can imagine how acknowledging the full reality of Sophia's death was for me. I found myself replaying events often, which is normal and natural. I used the analogy before in another podcast how we often need to pick up stones, look under them, place them down again and again until we feel they are placed in the right spot. This ritual is all part of our brain peeling back protective layers to allow in our new reality slowly. Because I'll tell you, I couldn't have handled it all at once. I cannot tell you when I finally woke up one day and wasn't sure if I had a horrible nightmare. It just seemed to ease over time and I woke up and knew this to be my reality. Remember, this first need of mourning, like the next five that follow, may intermittently require your attention for months. Be patient and compassionate with yourself as you work on all of them. Need number two is to embrace the pain of the loss. Okay, let's be honest here. It's much easier to avoid, repress, or deny the pain of grief than it is to confront it. Yet, it is in confronting our pain that we learn to reconcile ourselves to it. You cannot, nor should you try, to overload yourself with that hurt all at one time. This is when I introduced my all-out mama whale cries which you can look up my podcast crying is okay here and I talk about just insane crying that I would do and making noises that I didn't even recognize to be me this is one way I could embrace the pain of the loss it fulfilled the need and it was it was essential in my healing as one of the things that I needed to do. Sometimes 
you may need to distance yourself from the pain of death, while at other times you will need to create a safe place to move toward it. I personally just don't feel that our culture embraces us when we openly express our feelings of grief. You might be encouraged to carry on or keep your chin up. Now, on the other hand, you will likely be congratulated when you come across as in control or strong and doing well, when truly doing well with your grief means becoming well acquainted with your pain. Need number three is remembering the person who died. When I outlined this podcast last weekend and I was working on it, I knew immediately that this would be hands down um, my favorite part. My favorite need is absolutely the need that I have come to easily fulfill. Remembering my daughter, Sophia, is easy for me. I wondered if I would still have a relationship with Sophia after she died. Of course I do. Just as you do with your beloved person who died, I have a relationship of memory, precious memories. I have dreams reflecting the significance of my relationship, even objects that link me to her today. I am always reminded of my sweet Sophia. Her spirit is always with me. She is always in my heart and in my mind. I feel her with me as I venture into this new world of podcasts. I love to talk about Sophia. As I travel on this journey, I most definitely find it easier and easier to talk about her and to mention her name and share a story. I believe this is because I always have. It has always been extremely important to me to remember her and her her just incredibly amazing spirit. In my personal experience, by remembering the past and keeping Sophia's legacy so prominent, it makes hoping for the future possible. Need number four is developing a new self-identity. This is a little excerpt from my Healing and Hope Instagram account I wrote several months ago. They said, I changed a lot. I said, a lot changed me. This is the wholehearted truth. After the death of my daughter, Sophia, I had no idea how I would move forward. I had to have a game plan every day. I had two beautiful children to care for. I had to show up. They needed me and I needed them. This new life without my daughter, Sophia, took everything I had. And sometimes it still can. All of my focus went into coping on a minute-to-minute basis sometimes. I worked so hard in the years to come. Many people in my community knew of Sophia and her death and her battle. I had kept a Caring Bridge blog that actually is still available under the name Sophia Vlasman. I looked it up the other day and sat and read through all of the posts again. That was hard. My heart and my mind still have conversations every day with Sophia. And the reality is that I changed so much after her death. I am still working on rebuilding myself around the loss I have suffered. I will be whole again, 
but I will never be the same, nor should I be, nor would I want to be. Truth be told, I have changed in some truly amazing ways. I understand the importance of being present, authentic, and grateful, to name a few. Need number five is searching for meaning. I had so many why and how questions. When someone we love dies, naturally we question the purpose and meaning of life. Sophia was a part of me. Her death meant I mourned not only outside of myself, but inside of myself as well. I was faced with finding meaning in my life when all I felt was emptiness. Having my two other children, Sammy and Clark, helped me tremendously. I needed to work hard on myself for them. I often think about when parents lose an only child. I do know a family in which this was the case and they have worked so incredibly hard to surround themselves with support. I can't say enough good things about the work that they've done to just raise awareness on their son's death and their healing journey is so, so incredible to me. Uh, When we think about searching for meaning, I immediately think of a favorite author of mine, David Kessler, and his book, Finding Meaning, which I highly recommend. And it only seemed fitting that I tell you guys his seven thoughts they may, that actually may help guide you to understanding how to find meaning. So for sure, as I dive into this, my six guideposts as I veer off to now David Kessler's um, ways to find meaning, meaning, I am thinking this is a whole other episode, but I am going to share what David Kessler has to say, just these quick thoughts on finding meaning. meaning. Number one is meaning is relative and personal. Two, meaning takes time. You may not, you may not find it until months or even years after loss. Three, meaning doesn't require understanding. It's not necessary to understand why someone died in order to find meaning. Four, even when you do find meaning, you won't feel it was worth the cost of what you lost. That's just so powerful to me. Five, your loss is not a test, a lesson, something to handle, a gift, or a blessing. Loss is simply what happens to you in life. Meaning is what you make happen. Six, only you can find your own meaning. And lastly, seven, meaningful connections will heal painful memories. I truly didn't think I'd ever write again after Sophia died. Then slowly I began to resurface and come out of the deep end, so to speak, I even added a couple more posts to my CaringBridge blog shortly after Sophia died. And then a few years later, I began my Healing and Hope Instagram. And now 
just over a month ago, here I am with my podcast, Healing and Hope Through Grief. The final need I will touch on is a need that is so extremely important. The sixth need is receiving ongoing support from others. You cannot, nor should you, do this alone. The quality and quantity of understanding support you get during your grief journey will have a major influence on your capacity to heal. Those that support you need to appreciate the impact this death has had on you. It is imperative that they understand that in order to heal, you must be allowed, even encouraged, to mourn long after the death. You need to be encouraged to mourn and know that this is a necessity to be experienced as a result of having loved. Understanding the six needs, I'll quickly go over them again. Acknowledging the reality of the death, embracing the pain of the loss, remembering the person who died, developing a new self-identity, searching for meaning, and receiving ongoing support from others will most definitely move you towards your healing. I'd like to leave you now with a very powerful quote. Grief is not a sign of weakness, nor a lack of faith. It is the price of love. Until next time, my friends.